Welcome to Job Tales, the podcast where you find dozens of interviews and learn about your potential future favorite job. Manuel Barreiro is my guest today. He's founder and chairman of a private equity firm. With him, we'll talk about investment in real estate and clean energy. We'll talk about metaverse and data centers and Manuel's commitment to empowering younger generations through entrepreneurship. Great. Thank you so much to be here with me, Manuel. Manuel Barreiro, you are the founder and chairman of the Aston Group. I would say let's start straight with the Aston Group, what it is, what do you do, and uh, when did you create it? Aston Group is a private equity company that is very focused on real estate and uh, clean energies. I founded the group in 2007, Mm -hmm. and we've been doing uh, projects uh, since then in North America and Europe as well. Mm, okay, so it's mainly focused on on real estate. When you say clean energy, what does it mean? You invest in production of clean energy? Well, yeah, we invest in clean energy. Uh, we have one of the major clean energy companies in Mexico. We invest in that because we believe that it's a most these days. Uh, we also have a business in water management, in uh, city management, and uh, in just different ways to how to reduce uh, the carbon footprint. Okay. Which one came first, the real estate interest, you know, the passion for that or the passion for the environment and and clean energy? Well, I'm a little old, as you can see. So back in the days, <laughs> not many people were very interested in clean energy. So that was an evolution of the company. Uh, real estate was, uh, you know, how we started, you know, more than 15 years ago. Okay. Yes, exactly. You know, I have met quite a few people in my life and, um, you know, not everybody manages to do real estate or to be successful in real estate. What was your key to success about this? I would say two things. The first, uh, before I started my company, I worked for 10 years for Heinz Interest, which is one of the largest developers in the world. And I think that was a great school. I started going up. I was first just a marketing assistant, then went up in finance, uh, became a director and eventually a partner. Mm -hmm. And uh, during that time, we started doing projects all over the world, but mostly in emerging markets. So it was Eastern Europe back in the day, Asia and Latin America. And I think it was a fantastic school to learn how to be very strict in the way that you underwrite your projects, but also to understand the challenges going into new countries that were just opening to the West. And I think that you know helped me to keep the new company when I started very sharp and always try to make it very institutional from the beginning. And I think that was the reason why we're still in business, despite the fact that we have almost gone bankrupt uh, two times in 2013 okay. and 2018 from different reasons. So a lot of people just look at the results, you yeah. know, many years later. But, you know, in between, there's huge hiccups that uh, you can have when you and you start your own company. Mm-hmm. And this is very important uh, for the listeners, especially the young ones who look at, you know, the, the top of the iceberg, you know, in any in any profession. And then they say, oh, I want to get there. But then they don't know what it has taken to the successful people to get there. And also, you know, the hurdles like you, you mentioned. Now, is it possible to know uh, what happened in 2013 and then 2018 that you almost got bankrupt? Well, I mean, I, I think it's just... Uh, it has many, you know, many, many things. It could be the markets. It could be the lack of liquidity. Sometimes when you're growing a lot, 
and then you don't have enough capital, then things can get complicated. Interest rates, like right now, it's a very, very hard time for real estate because you have all the banks around the world you know, charging very high interest rates. So many mm. projects that were successful uh, in the past or just not in the past, just a couple of years ago, now they're uh, unable to survive just because of the cost of debt. And real estate is always related to, you know, capital and debt as many other businesses. And when interest rates go up so fast and, and so much, it's sometimes very hard to manage to keep afloat. I understand. Going back to your studies, what did you, what did you study just after, you know, the high school times? Yes. So my, I had a major in international business that I did in Mexico. And then I had uh, two master's degrees, one uh, MBA from the Macomb School of Business at the University of Texas in Austin, mm -hmm. and a master of science in cities at the London School of Economics. And then after that, I also took the real estate program at the Oxford University. Was it like one after the other or did you, were you working no, in between? No, not really. I mean, uh, all these degrees were executive degrees. I always thought that it was good to be able to work and study at the same time to kind of really get a grasp of uh, some of the things that you are doing and, and to combine that with the studies. Okay. So uh, many different years, uh, the MBA I did in uh, 2001 to 2003. Then in London, I was there 2019 to 21. And then uh, just last year, I went back to school at the Oxford real estate program. That was fantastic. Really? Yes, very good. Fantastic. I mean, it's yeah, congratulations because you know, you you keep you keep studying, you keep learning and uh, it, it's not easy when you're when you're working at the same time. So, you know, for for the young audience that's listening, would you recommend to do this like a mix, you know, working and studying or in hindsight would you do something differently between, you know, with this mix of study and work? No, I mean, I I think, you know, there are many different ways to do it. Uh, I believe education is super important for everyone. And, you know, despite the way that you do it, if you do it, you know, in a combined way, or if you do it just, uh, you know, getting out of work uh, to study full time and then getting out getting back, mm -hmm. uh, either way to do it, I think is really good. In my personal experience, you know, I like the combination because again, I feel that you could apply some of the things that you're learning at the same time in your business. And, and for me, that has worked quite well. But I guess, you know, Everybody has their own different way or approach to this. But uh, I guess as long as you keep learning and uh, keep getting updated on different things, you will be getting ahead of the game. And looking back, what, what would you say are the top hard skills to have in your job and the top soft skills as well? I think math is, is quite important, mm. uh, but also... Being able to to speak in a short time frame and having your ideas in order. You talk to people every day. You talk to investors every day. And it's very important to be able to communicate properly what you want to say in a short time. A lot of the times you are trying to pitch either a project or are trying to raise money to very senior executives. And they have limited time. So you need to be able to be very coherent very articulated and to be able to present your ideas properly in a short time. And sometimes that could be quite challenging. I see. 
my next question, going back to the, the heart of your job, like what do you do on a, let's say on a daily basis, if that is, if that is possible to, to explain, because you're talking about clients and the fact that there is little time, what do you pitch to them? And then how is the interaction with, with the clients? Yeah, I think it's very important uh, that you're able to have good people in your team because, of course, you're unable to do everything. So, yeah, first sure. of all, you need to really, really rely on your uh, senior executives. And basically, you know, the what, what I do is I get very early in the morning exercise and then I do like planning and strategy thinking, then talking to the senior staff to see if, you know, they're, they're in track of what they're doing. And then after that, you know, most of the time is really looking at opportunities and talking to people. So once you get to, let's say, half of the day and you start just talking to people and looking at these opportunities, you are not able to do a lot of work in the office. So you need to be able to not micromanage, but rely on your uh, senior executives to be able to, you know, keep the business on track and at the same time, look what's coming, you know, in the short and the long term. Okay. Can you give me an example of one, I mean, let's say one product that you would pitch to a customer in your company? For example, we do a lot of work with data centers. You know, as you know, I also do a lot of work with the metaverse and data centers are becoming extremely important nowadays around the world because, you know, they have all the information on the clouds and we have to make sure that if we are trying to develop one new data center for one of our clients, that we have all the information in a, you know, in a short summary of why uh, the location is good, you know, how much power they're going to have, mm -hmm. if we are going to be able to use clean energy on that specific project or not, and just the returns. In a very, very simple sheet, they say that if you can uh, present something in one piece of paper, just one page, and it's uh, well-structured enough, then that's probably better than having, you know, a huge underwriting in 20 pages. <laughs> Agree. <laughs> Data centers and metaverse. So just in, let's say two sentences. Can you tell me what a metaverse is? Metaverse is the, the communication of, a, of the, different, the different interactions that you can have now, not only with the internet, but with, with VR in, let's say, in a, in a more... I wouldn't say sophisticated way, but in a more interactive way for many people to interact in these different uh, platforms. Okay. So hence the, the importance of data centers where all the data are stored. Uh, exactly. Right? Yeah. Let me give you an example. People do not know and people think that most of the information comes from the different companies, but more than 50% of the storage of the data centers come from the gaming industry. And these are the young kids playing and interacting all over the world with each other. So that's why this is growing so much. And that's mm. why with the metaverse, it's even going to be bigger and they will need a lot more capacity for storage. Incredible. So much percentage. Yeah. And hence the clean energy part. I mean, that's, that's very key. And uh, it's uh, remarkable that, you know, you're able to merge the two. What is the clean energy focus? Uh, for you? In our case, uh, most of what we do is solar. We're in Mexico. Okay. Uh, so of course, <laughs> yeah. we get a lot of sun down here. Sunny. Yeah. Uh, exactly. But, you know, this is something that is becoming, or a lot of the companies are getting very aware of this. Uh, for example, most of the auto industry, even if they're producing some of their cars in Germany, they're pushing down to the supply chain these clean features. And they're asking for some of the clients to have a piece of their energy to be clean if they want to continue 
uh, exporting or selling products to these large OEMs. So this is something that is happening all around the world. And not only, let's say, in, in Volkswagen or some of the other large OEMs in Europe. So that's why we got into this business, because we also do a lot of uh, manufacturing plans for different auto industry companies. And, uh, mm. and, the, and they are really pushing in the next couple of years. If they don't have a piece of their energy coming from clean sources, they will not be able to keep selling products to them. So that's why it's, uh, it's something that is changing very rapidly. I see. So yeah, it it does become an obligation for for enterprises to comply with the new regulations, exactly. right? Yeah. Exactly. So we got energy, we got real estate, we have mobility. You are spending time in raising awareness on mobility issues. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yes, we we like to think that people need to have better quality of life and to be able to walk more and to spend less time in the cars and also to reduce you know the carbon footprint so we do a lot of our consulting work for different governments to try to do that and to develop projects where you with most people will use private transportation i mean public transportation excuse me and uh, and to reduce just the, the commute there's a fantastic uh, program that they're doing for example in paris that is called paris 20 minutes and basically what it is is that everyone should leave should be able to leave work shop and do everything within 15 or 20 minutes around where they live and that mm. uh it's it's really changing a lot of the ideas of cities and instead of having large cities how do how can you have better cities better quality of life in smaller areas does it belong also to the greater paris le grand paris uh, project is it part of that well i i think a lot of this a lot of the things are related and there are a lot of different efforts around the cities not only in paris but around the world in many in many places like barcelona and belgium and uh, and in switzerland and other places so so yes i think in general what everybody wants is to be able to uh, to improve the qualities of life and to make the cities more livable and uh, and cleaner. Yeah, fantastic. Now, is there any myth around your job? Let's say I'm thinking, you know, private equity, real estate, this industry. Are there any myths? Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of uh, uh, real estate, especially in real estate uh, development, everybody says that, you will only be successful if you have good relationships. So relationships are extremely important. And they say that's the only way that you can succeed in this line of business. And while I am a firm believer that relationships are extremely important, I have seen many people that are not that good with personal or social skills, yet they are extremely successful. Hmm. Okay. Um, <laughs> and what um, do you, you know, looking back, is there something that you wish you had done differently now that, you know, a few years <laughs> or decades uh, along the road. Absolutely. And I think this is probably uh, the greatest piece of advice that I can give to any, you know, young individuals that are trying to get into this business yeah. is you really need to have your company structure very institutional and uh, from the beginning. Sometimes when you start a company, it might be small and maybe you are not really put a lot of attention in the reporting and, and the audits that you do and how you manage your accounting. And I think you need to plan to have your company doing an IPO next month, every month, every year so that you keep the company sharp. And when you look at investors, you can actually uh, provide the information that they need right away and that will help you. Also, uh, you need to really understand that size really matters. 
you will not be able to access certain type of capital or that if you're small. So you need to think big from the beginning and you really need to think that you are going to make your company an extremely big company that you either IPO or where you can you know, do, do partnership with some institutional investors. And if you don't do it from the beginning, then it's going to be very hard to do it and most investors will not even touch your company if you're not well organized. So organization is key. Organization is key. And uh, it might be obvious for some, but can you can you say what is IPO? Yes, an initial public offering. So if you want to go into the stock market, sometimes that happens when you, know, you, you get certain size and you go and make your company public so that everybody can buy uh, shares from your company. Mm, okay. And is that what you did? Like, did you do an IPO right away when you No, started? not at all. I have always uh, grown my company as a private company. I have had different institutional investors that basically look for the same type of reporting that you will need to do if you're a public company. But I have always kept uh, the company private. Okay. Okay, I see. Looking at the young young generation, do you you obviously speak to younger generations uh, and you empower them through entrepreneurship and you so you support and you coach and mentor several young people that and entrepreneurs that want to set up a technology new new tech companies. Can you tell me a bit more what that consists of? Yeah, um, we, we get a lot of young people. I am a firm believer that technology is changing rapidly, not only now, but all the time, but especially now. And you really need to try to help uh, some of these younger individuals or guide them in how to grow their business and also to understand or help them understand that technology is key and is changing and you need to adopt that but also for them to understand that just having a piece of technology without the, you know the backbones of the business is not going to work so that combination of let's say gray hair and, uh, and new ideas from the new generation i think that's the best combination for this industry or for companies like us to be successful in the future if i you know if i would have to think 10 years ahead i would love to have all my company being very, let's say, or to be in an app and being around the world everywhere and be able to get reports every day that are automatically provided from these apps. And I think that's what's going to happen with the industry. Okay. And since we're talking about, you know, real estate, its future, metaverse, clean energy and sustainability topics, uh, how do you see the real estate of the future? I think more and more prop techs are going to be taking over a lot of the things that we normally do by hand and and people will be able to access uh, real estate in different places around the world in an easier way. You will be able to to buy pieces just like you can buy a pieces of the market in the stock market today. I think with technology, you will be able to buy small pieces in many countries more easily. And I think the barriers will be smaller and a lot of people will be able to invest, you know, being in Mexico and you want to invest in Switzerland or being in Switzerland and you want to invest in Japan. I think more and more this will happen, especially in the residential sector, uh, at least in the, you know, in the short years to come. Okay. And um, so are there new, new jobs opening up uh, in your, you know, in your opinion and according to your experience, what can a young, a young man or young woman expect to have as a profession in the future in real estate? 
Yeah, I mean, I think real estate at the end of the day is, you know, mortar and bricks, and that's not going to change. But the way that you approach that will be different. I think many companies now, including us, are working on VR projects before they are developed. I think the more that we're able to plan and see uh, projects, let's say, on the metaverse before we actually develop them, you know, the better that we will be able to do in terms of sustainability and also in terms of economics. Take, uh, you know, take a look, for example, cities like uh, Riyadh in Saudi that is building basically all the city. Everything is new. You can see construction everywhere and in most of the Arab countries as well. If you're able to plan and develop some of these projects with technology in the metaverse before you actually build them, then you will be able to save a lot of money and do projects that actually are suit for the people and not building you know, these huge buildings before and then finding out that maybe that's not what the market was requiring. Mm, I see. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, it makes me think also of um, Second Life. You remember maybe a couple of decades ago, it started as a, yeah, a whole new parallel world online, uh, which I believe still exists. So now when I think of metaverse, it makes me think of a Second Life where you have your avatar, you have your life, you, you can buy your property, you can have your business, an online shop, like a virtual shop. Is it what also, you know, people can expect to be to be doing in the future, like uh, creating completely virtual reality and then making money in that reality. I fully agree. I think it's going to happen. And I think, you know, people think about this maybe, you know, 50 years from now. And I think it's actually going to be in a very short time frame. Very soon, especially the young generations will have their regular normal life and they will also have their life on the metaverse and it's going to be a duality and everybody's going to be able to use it and understand that just as we use cell phones today in a few years from now people will have their life normal life and their virtual reality life and i think that's probably the biggest challenge that most governments and institutions are going to face uh, because you will have people that might not be as friendly or will be segregated and also uh, the education gap between the developed countries and the developing countries will also expand. And I think that's the biggest challenge that uh, we now will be facing, you know, worldwide. And to, you know, to conclude, I would like to ask you um, two things. One is the nicest, let's say the f most fun part of your job, what you like most, and then what you find the hardest. The most fun part for me is looking at opportunities, creating the projects and talking to people and understanding their ideas and, you know, what they're trying to achieve. I mean, it, it's fascinating to see, especially young generations that bring projects and propose new ideas. I think I really like that because it helps me also to, uh, to learn from them. And the thing that I like the least is probably you know, all the reporting and the back office that you need to have to be able to uh, comply with the requirements of all the institutional investors. And as I was saying before, it's extremely important to have everything very organized from the beginning. And, and we do have a, a very strong financing and accounting team. So you can, you know, you can access all that. Uh, but that for me is a little more boring uh, than actually, you know, talking and being looking at the business. But you have to do it. Yeah. Okay, so that will be the hardest for you. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, 
Well, it's been uh, most informative. Thank you so much for uh, for your time, Manuel. And uh, yeah, I wish we had another half hour because uh, you're so interesting and uh, you have such a diversified uh, career that um, definitely the listeners will be will be very happy to hear more about you. And then I propose we do that maybe more down the road uh, with another episode. Sure. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Keep listening to my podcast. All comments are welcome. You can find me on social media, jobtales.podcast, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Bye for now.